edit point for Andrew. <clears throat> Sorry. I just need to stretch my neck. And... Yeah. Everyone and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joseph Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we are discussing Ulysses F. Sunny Dewey from the film The Apostle. And this was a request from listener Linnell, and it's a request that's been a long time coming. <laughs> very, very long time coming, Linnell. Thank you for being patient, uh, but here it is. We've almost recorded this podcast multiple times. <laughs> yes. How are things? Things are good. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna do a humble brag. It's just gonna be a brag for a moment. Uh, <laughs> I've got a book that I co-authored with my sister Kate on Fraser, uh, Fraser: A Cultural History, coming out, and the publisher sent us the first review that they'd gotten in, and it's from Booklist, which is the American Library Association's uh, review, and they review a thousand titles, I mean, thousands of titles every year because it's it's going out to libraries. Uh, but we got a starred review, and starred review means basically they're saying, libraries, you should have this one in in your collection. And it was a starred review, and it called it a must-read. Way to go! Yeah, so I was pretty pleased with that review. You are not only prolific, but you're also good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So. <clears throat> okay, so The Apostle. Yes, let's talk about this. Uh, the Apostle is a film that was written by, directed by, and stars Robert Duvall. And it was released in 1997 and tells the story of a Pentecostal preacher who makes the biggest mistake of his life and runs away from the consequences. You think that's a fair way to describe it, Todd? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he goes through kind of a rough patch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could say. We'll, we'll get to it in a moment. Uh, when, had you see, had you seen this film before this? I had not. Uh, I, I I don't know if I even knew it existed before Linnell had suggested it to us. I had not heard of it. Um, when I was in grad school, somebody recommended to me the film uh, Tender Mercies, which also has Robert Duvall in it, and it's another just like astoundingly good movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, in which he plays a very, very different character. But I was like, man, this Robert Duvall guy, he is really good. <laughs> and so uh, w when when I sat down to watch this, um, I I knew to expect good acting. I think Robert Duvall in some ways has become an underrated actor. Like, he's kind of forgotten. Uh, but, like, whenever you see him, he does a good, a good or a great job. And this film, like, he disappears into this role. Like, it feels like I'm watching... A person and not an actor at all like at no point does it feel like a performance it feels like this is a fully created individual that i could meet in texas in the 1930s if i was living there and um, wouldn't want to yeah. <laughs> well maybe you would maybe you would he might make your life better <laughs> that's true um and yet he's not always like when we're, when we're listing our great actors i don't hear his name as often as i think probably should be should be considered yeah he's he's a truly great actor and this is an incredible performance. It's a stunning performance. Okay, before we jump into trivia, we just would invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $1 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers. All patrons who support us with $5 per month or more uh, get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And again, that's patreon.com slash protagonist. P-A-T-R-E-O-N is how you spell Patreon. 
Thank you, Todd. All right, a little bit of trivia about this. Uh, Duval wrote the script for this film in the 1980s, but he could not get a studio to finance it. He eventually financed it himself, and then it was shown at the Toronto Film Festival, and reportedly, studio execs left the screening 30 minutes in so that they could go bid on the distribution <laughs> rights for this film. <laughs> Uh, the Apostle has an 89% fresh rating on RottenTomatoes.com. The soundtrack won the 1998 Grammy Award for, I've never heard of this category, it was Best Southern Country or Bluegrass Gospel Album. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's a weirdly specific parameters. Yeah, you're really narrowing the focus yes. <laughs> of that category. Uh, and Duval was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor for his performance. And this is the group he was up against. You had Matt Damon, first-time nominee for Goodwill Hunting. You had Peter Fonda, Dustin Hoffman, and the winner was Jack Nicholson. Jeez. That is a murderer's row of American actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you lose to that crowd, you can't uh, hang your head. Yeah. All right. Uh, are you ready for this? Yeah, let's have the long synopsis. So, listeners, if you have not seen the film and want to before we get to the discussion, it's available on DVD and Blu-ray, and you can order it on Amazon. I don't think it's streaming on any of the streaming sites that I had looked into, though. Or you can check it out at your local library. Okay, so this film starts, it's 1939, we have this little prologue, and we see a black preacher in a church, and he is preaching with fire. And... Uh, there's a little white boy in the congregation. Listeners, and he is I just got to say, uh, you can't see this. Todd and I are recording together, which is a rare occurrence for us. <laughs> but Todd is doing big hand motions when he's describing how this preacher is preaching. It's amazing. It, it really is true. It's amazing. the full body preaching method. Yes. So fast forward to the 80s or 90s, and there's this big car crash, and uh, Robert Duvall rides up, and, or drives up, and he sneaks past the police, and he goes to a car with this uh, a, a woman that looks dead. And a man who looks nearly dead. And Duval talks to the young man, and he helps him to accept Jesus. And then he gets back in his car and drives off when the police kick him out uh, off of the accident scene. The whole time, Robert Duval is just, like, muttering to himself and talking to himself about Jesus and saving souls. Yes. And, and quoting Bible. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, he, he's nonstop speaking. Yes. Uh, and so now we see Duval. He's singing with these, these kids that we find out are his. Um, and he tells him that he needs to leave. And he tells his wife that he needs to leave. And so he's a traveling preacher. And, uh, and he tells his mother that he has to leave. And she says that she's sick or something. And then she p pretends like she's dead, like lying on the floor dead. And then he just gives her a kiss and says, goodbye, mama. And then he's like out the door. Um, and so you can tell he loves his mom. You can tell he loves his kids. Maybe he loves his wife. He, he has this very young uh, wife. He's older. Like, but, he's in yeah, his 60s, Fawcett. would you say? Yeah, and she's played by Farrah Fawcett. And, um, and, uh, but he goes off, and then we see this crazy animated, uh, re revival meetings. Um, I mean, he is just... He by is by so... animated, you don't mean the film has switched no. the medium. <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> just mean like, that so the preaching, and when I say crazy, I just mean it is so intense, and, um... For people who aren't used to seeing that kind of preaching, it's it's just um, amazing. I mean, it really is. Uh, it's amazing. Just real quick. I'm sorry. I was double-checking something on Wikipedia, and I saw that Billy Bob Thornton is in this film. He is in this film. And he plays Troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, like, one of the he's yeah. one of the big, like, uh, headliners yeah. for the thing. Uh -huh. And his role that, is Troublemaker. I just love that the role is Troublemaker. Yes. Uh, we'll get to him. <laughs> 
So, uh, so Duval is out preaching with all of his friends, and then um, one night, uh, while he's out on the road, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's still kind of muttering to himself these prayers and, and saying, thank you, Lord, and then he gets in his car, and he drives home, and he's looking for his wife, but she's not in the house, and so he grabs a gun, and he goes to a different house, and he tries to get through the front door, and then he goes back in the car, and he's he's saying, you know, thou shalt not kill, and he's, it looks like something bad is happening. Um, and then he ends up just getting a baseball and throwing it through a window, and it, it, his wife is in bed with another man. Uh, and the next day, he goes back to the house, and he confronts her about her infidelity. Uh, she's terrified of him, and it looks like he has probably... Uh, certainly been unfaithful to her as well. Um, and she tells him she wants out of this relationship, she wants to leave. And uh, so he's pretty upset about this, and then it turns out that all of the people in his church also have decided to take his church away from him. <laughs> so he's lost his wife and his church in the same day. Um, I think and, it says, like, she has some legal claim to the church. Like, it's in her name, too, or something. And there, I don't remember. I, I think that's part of it. Uh, so then we get this amazing scene of him being mad at God. And he's walking, kind of pacing in his bedroom at his mama's house and just yelling at God about how angry he is um, and wondering what he's supposed to do. Um, And then he goes back uh, to the church uh, the next day and everybody's singing and dancing and he goes back to the church. His wife is really mad at him for the way that he's behaving. Um, And her lover is another preacher that's a young, a younger guy. And uh, so now Duval starts drinking. I'm just going to call him Duval because... Uh, it's Sonny. <laughs> Sonny. Yeah. So Sonny, has a, he started drinking, and he goes to his son's baseball game, and the, the, the wife's lover is there. And they get into this altercation, and Duval grabs a baseball bat, and he, and he hits the guy in the head with the baseball bat, and then he just crumples to the ground. And uh, so now Sonny is on the run, and he gets in his car, and he drives away. Uh, he sinks his car into a pond, and then or a lake. Well, and- there's a great. Is it right before this where there's a great scene in the intersection, like the the crossroads? When he oh yes, he, he starts driving through, and then the car just spins in a donut in the intersection, and he gets out and prays about which way yes. he should drive in the <laughs> intersection as he's on the run. <laughs> yeah, um, and so he now he's just wandering, and he's in rural like rural Texas, I think at this point. And he stops and he talks to a man who's fishing, and the man offers him a pup tent, and he spends the night in a pup tent. The next day, he goes down to the river and he baptizes himself in the river and he says now i am an apostle i am the apostle lord i'm your apostle and i'm just gonna do your will and uh so he the 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 man that lent him the pup tent uh tells him about a church about a preacher whose name is c charles blackwell and that he's in some little tiny town in louisiana so he gets on a bus and he goes to Louisiana and he finds this uh, this preacher Blackwell and he introduces himself uh, and he says so Sonny says my name is Apostle E F and he says God sent me here to start a new church and Blackwell is a little skeptical of this guy who just shows up and says I'm here to start a new church uh, but he says we'll just kind of we'll kind of see how things go and if it works out it works out um, so Sonny who is now called uh, Apostle. Uh, he goes, he starts meet, meeting people in the town. He meets a guy named Elmo who runs the radio and he starts to 
preach on the radio to promote his new church. And um, he meets a guy named Sam, and uh, who's a mechanic, and he helps him to fix his car. And then he he ends up staying with Sam in, in, in his house. And Blackwell gives him a church because he has this old church that used to be his, but now he has a heart condition, so he can't preach anymore. So he gives his old church uh, to Sonny. This and is now in Louisiana at this point. Yes, now we're in a, in, in, in a little town He's in kind of settled Louisiana. into in the bayou area. He's got a job it. flipping burgers um, to pay the back taxes and to fix up the church. And he calls his old friend Joe, who is back in his town in Texas. And Joe says that the guy that he hit with a baseball bat is in a coma. And that Sonny's mother is in the hospital. And, uh, and so Sonny's uh, understandably upset and he doesn't really know what to do he really lo- loves his mama and he wants to go back but he knows if he goes back he's going to be in trouble with the uh, with the police and then he meets this cute lady whose name is Toosie and uh, she works at the radio station and she sees him preaching and she kind of laughs he's a shouter he just he just shouts when he preaches and uh, he starts to kind of flirt with her he wants to take her to dinner and she's she's kind of kind of coy. She looks kind of amused, but she doesn't really reject the offer. And then we go back and we see him fixing up the church. He's got all these little kids, and you see this kind of tender side of him working with the kids and getting helping to get the church fixed up. And then uh, it turns out that he goes on a date with Tuzi, and he finds out that she's married, but she's separated from her husband, and he really sh- like puts the schmooze on her. <laughs> um, and uh, he says, you know, what What about another date? And she says, well, we'll see. And then he goes home and he calls his wife, but he never talks to her. He just does the creepy, like, I'm going to call and then you're going to answer and then I'm just going to be quiet. Um, he's So uh, basically what we're seeing here is the development of this kind of Jekyll and Hyde character where you, there's one side of him that's like really bad, <laughs> like creepy and violent and scary, and there's this other part of him that looks legitimately good. Like he really he's is doing, doing good, good. He's doing good things. He's helping the people in the town, and he's and he's, he's helping good with kids. Yep. He's, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so, first day of church comes, and he has a bus that he's fixed up, and he drives around and picks everybody up in the town. But there's not very many people at, at church. There's like a I don't know a handful of yeah. people that go to church. Um, but they start doing really good works and they're giving food to the poor and more people start coming and they're doing baptisms and, uh, and then one night troublemaker (laughs) played by Billy Bob Thornton, uh, comes in to church and he starts asking kind of tough questions like, who are you apostle guy? And where do you come from? Why do you just go by your initials? Why do you only go by your initials and what do they stand for? And Sonny, uh, he just sheds his coat. And he beats the heck out of the guy. Well, the moment when he actually like turns violent with the guy is when the guy says something about not wanting to go to church with him and then he uses the N-word. Yes. Because this is an integrated church. Right. Uh, and and that's the moment when Sonny says, no, you're out of here. <laughs> and <laughs> he just takes him out and uh, beats him. Yeah. He beats him up. And everyone's like really kind of surprised. Well, they're all singing still in the background. But they're like, singing. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. They're, they're sort of shocked at what's happening. They're all looking out the windows, but you still hear all the church But they can kind of recognize that he's defending them, and so they're happy that he's defending them. And Tuzi is there, and she seems kind of impressed yeah. at his this kind of sign of, I don't know, masculinity or something. Um, and then he drives her home after the meeting, and they kiss, 
and she's really curious, and she asks him what EF stands for in his name, and uh, he he really wants to get into the house with her, <laughs> and she keeps telling him no, and he gets more insistent, and you're like, oh, this is not <laughs> the making side, me- yes. <laughs> But uh, thankfully, she does not let him in the house. Uh, meanwhile, his friend is calling him and telling him his mother's getting worse. And uh, Sonny wants to go back to be with her, but we find out that she's actually dead. She's already dead. And, but Sonny doesn't know that. And now it's been one month, and the church is full of people, and they're having this huge picnic out at the church. And the troublemaker, Billy Bob Thornton, shows up again, and now he has a bulldozer. And he says, I'm going to bulldoze this church. And he's got a gun. And a bulldozer, and he's got a couple other guys with him. And uh, and the church people, and with Sonny in the front, they all stand up to him. And uh, and Sonny puts a Bible down on the ground, and he says, if you're going to bulldoze this church, you're going to have to bulldoze over this Bible. This is and, great acting from oh, Billy Bob Thornton and from so good. Robert Duvall in this scene. So good. So the guy gets down, and... Uh, uh, the apostle just does this kind of amazing work with this guy to make him realize that he doesn't really want to do this, and it ends with this uh, troublemaker in tears accepting Jesus and becoming one of the congregation, and all the people in the congregation kind of put their arms around him, and he's converted, and he becomes the first convert of this uh, of this church, and. The radio guy, Elmo, is there, and he's narrating the whole thing. It's really amazing. I think it's a really great so, piece of filmmaking. So the radio guy is there with, uh, he's got a microphone and a broadcaster on his hip, and he's walking around, and he's got a whisper, he's like, I don't want to ruin the moment, but I gotta tell you all what's happening right now. <laughs> and he's it's like, he's so like good. holding the mic close as Robert Duvall is preaching so at the guy. He's like, he's like, we're all gonna wait and see what happens. <laughs> so good, so good. Uh, and so this troublemaker ends up, he's just weeping, um... And then we see, so now we cut back, and we're at the restaurant where um, uh, uh, EF uh, Sonny Apostle Robert Duvall <laughs> is still flipping burgers, because that's his day job. And uh, he looks through the little window where they serve the food, and he sees Toosie, and she's with her husband and their kids. And he gets really mad, and he just walks out, and he says, I'm never coming back to this job again. And he goes to his friend Blackwell, who's the black preacher who had given him the church, and he tells, it looks like he just sort of confesses everything to him. Uh, and Sam, his friend, uh, that's the mechanic, is listening in sort of eavesdropping on the conversation. And then we go back uh, to his uh, Sonny's wife, and she's listening to the radio, and she hears him preaching on the radio, and she calls the police. This is a, like that moment... Maybe we, let, let's go on. We'll come back to that okay. moment where she hears his voice on the radio. Okay. Uh, and now, uh, now this is all sort of coming to a head. There's a there's a big church meeting. All the police show up, and uh, well, at this point, by the way, horse has died. Right? Uh, yeah, the guy that he hit with a baseball bat. Is I think dead. Uh, did we ever cover that? I, I, we had him in a coma. I can't remember if we ever said he, he he's dead. Yeah, he he is passed. So on, his so. mom is dead, and the and the guy so, that he killed is so dead. Sonny's not guilty of assault anymore. Now he's guilty yes. of, of murder. So this police officer, it's really cool. He just opens the door, and Duval has just started his sermon. And the police officer's waiting, and there's this kind of moment of eye contact between them. And the police officer basically says with his eyes, I can wait. And Duval basically says with his eyes, thank you for letting me finish this thing that I need to do. And then he gives this incredible sermon. 
just goes on and on and gets more and more and more intense. And he's giving this powerful, powerful testimony while the police are waiting at the door and the whole church is surrounded by police uh, with their shotguns and the lights are, uh, are, are flashing and it's nighttime and you can kind of see the lights in the windows. Um, uh, so the guy, Sammy, that's his friend that he's been helping, um, has not fully accepted Jesus and he finally accepts Jesus at this moment and they weep uh, and they embrace and then... Uh, and then Sonny just says, uh, it's time for me to go. And I don't think I'll ever see any of you again. And he walks out of the church and they arrest him and he takes off all his jewelry as a nice watch and a nice ring and a nice uh, bracelet. And he takes them off and gives them to Sammy and says, take this back for the, to the church. Um, and you know, just hawk it for whatever money you can get out of it. He gives Sammy his Bible. Uh, and then he is arrested and driven away. And then we get this epilogue during the end credits where he's in prison, he's on a chain gang out on the highway and he's preaching to all of the, (laughs) all of the prisoners. And that's the end of the apostle. (laughs) That was a good job, Todd. Good summary. (laughs) Thank you. So much of this movie though is just about that character of Sonny and like describing the story that happens does not do justice to what Robert Duvall does in this character. Like there's so many great moments of his, the, the way that he embodies this character, the way Robert Duvall holds his body and like the, his little stutter step that he does as he walks around and like all the time he's like, jog. he starts one direction and he switches directions and yeah. he's always muttering to himself. And then when he's, when he gets arrested at the end, I loved his discussion with the cops. Uh-huh. Like he starts talking to the cops about what cars they're driving and when do they switch over to this kind of model? <laughs> and like, he just, he can't abide silence. It seems like he always has to have, um, and he can't a commentary happening. Yeah. Yeah, he always has to have a commentary to what's happening, and usually it's something religious or scriptural uh, that he's muttering to himself. Uh, and like you said, he also can't sit still. There's always motion, and his his physicality, he must have been exhausted after every day of filming. I know. The way he holds his body. I wonder, how old was um, Duvall when this... Okay, I'm just going to do a little bit of quick math here. So, so this was made in 97. Robert Duvall was born in 1931. So he's 66 years old. Not a young man. Yeah. So Robert Duvall's 66 years old when this film is uh, is made. And he just exudes energy. Mm -hmm. Um, The kind of energy you you may expect from a younger man. But, I mean, he literally is, (laughs) uh, like, jogging around the streets when he's doing what he does. Uh And um, there's almost this kind of childlike nature to him when he when they're um when they're leaving food at the house of the needy people and they ring the doorbell and then they run and hide and they're like laughing kind of giddy (laughs) but just the it's just incredible energy not only the preaching which is just i mean it's just astounding yeah that's the energy like everything else yeah but he doesn't have a a low level energy like even when it's quiet energy it's just constantly spilling out of his body yes i mean he's just walking around like you said walks around mutters to himself and he's saying he's praying you meet jesus and it's just uh it's just it's it's amazing so there's that side of things i think uh, just as far as acting it's um like a tour de force it's just it's amazing (laughs) and then the other side of this is i I still don't know what to make of this character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we've, we've had discussions about redemption in the past. Oh, uh, I just, I, I'm sorry. It's a total side note. Uh, he won an Academy Award for his performance in Tender Mercies, which oh. is the other film that I've seen, well, which he, it's really good. Anyway, this idea of redemption, and this guy is 
he's kind of a crummy guy. I mean, he's mm-hmm. made some really bad mistakes. And I thought that this was going to be a film about him actually being redeemed. Trying right? to make up for his mistakes. Yeah, trying to make up. And he never does. Never. He does not dwell on what he's done. He doesn't seem to feel any guilt about what he's done. No remorse. Yeah. And no, um, well, there's, like, there's no confession. Mm-hmm. There's no remorse. There's no restitution. Right. And like, <laughs> like none of the things that we normally associate with repentance. Uh, there's no like penance. There's just n- none of this. And it's like this with, thing with, happened, and he just turns away from it completely. And the things that we associate with like religious repentance and atonement, and this is a religious film called The Apostle, and he's a religious man. He's a preacher. We don't see any of those. None of it. None of that. <laughs> none of it. What we do see is this other side of him, which is um, it's kind and it's. Uh, compassionate and passionate and and it's all legitimate it doesn't seem fake when he's doing it and it's like we said it's not like he turns it on and turns it off it's always on he's always the apostle he's always talking with god and but he he makes some really poor life choices (laughs) so i think one thing that maybe unites all that we've said about him so far is passion like he is passionate and that passionate passion when it's focused Positively, he can remake an entire church in a week. Right. Like, like he can completely repair and paint and get new signs up, and he can inspire people to come together at that church and make a huge difference. But when that passion is negative, where it's like fiery emotion at what his wife has done, or a fiery passion of his own when he's, you know, you know, he's pursuing women that aren't his wife, uh, and, and maybe going too far uh, right. <laughs> in, what, in what we see, and it seems like he had affairs uh, previously. Like the misdirected passion, it's still this high passionate soul. It's just going in the wrong direction, which is how. How you can play both sides of this character and it doesn't feel like he's playing two separate characters. Yes. Like, this is one person and yeah, it's absolutely. a believable person. Yeah. It's, it's like, you said Jekyll and Hyde, but it's not like he transformed into an evil monster. It was the same man and we believe that this is a person that would exist. Right. I just, I, I felt like I was totally thrown a curveball with this film and it didn't, it didn't play out how I expected it to play out. It's not a traditional story of redemption. It's also not. There's a great. Uh, there's a great s- sort of novella uh, by um, Spanish author Miguel de Unamuno. <laughs> I was gonna say, what Spanish name is about to come out of Todd's mouth? <laughs> His name is Unamuno, <laughs> and it's called San Manuel Bueno Martir. So uh, San Manuel the Good, uh, the martyr, and it's a story of a man who's a priest, a Catholic priest, and he has no faith, and. Um, he does amazing works for his church. And basically he's like, I don't believe this anymore, but there's, I have so many people depending on me. There's no way that I'm going to let them all down. And so he continues to just do good. And, and he, he's a huge blessing in the lives of all of these people in this town. And, um, it's kind of this sweet tragedy (laughs) of this person who inside is just dying uh, because because he feels no relationship with God, and yet he's he's just sowing goodness and light all around him by his good works, um, and that was Unamuno was sort of he was like that. Um, he had a, a really traumatic experience as a young father where he um, he he had a, a son or one of his children was basically dying in his arms, and he prayed and said, God. I will never ask you for anything else ever again. But if you're there, you've got to save this child. And the, and the child died. 
and Unamuno, he kind of looks up at the stars and says, dang you, God, like there is no way that there can possibly be a loving God out there that lets this kind of thing happen. And then in the same breath, he says, but I cannot deny your existence. And that, that, uh, tension is at the, is at the heart of what Unamuno does in his writing. And the, and I thought that maybe this would be sort of like that, that the apostle would be kind of like that where, mm-hmm. um, yes, there's maybe this, and in some ways it kind of is like that, right? Where there's this dark secret that he keeps inside of him and yet he goes about doing good. But I feel like in the, in the Onamuno story that actually impacts him. <laughs> like he actually thinks about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in this, it just doesn't even cross his mind. Like he doesn't, doesn't think about. Right. Uh, going and remaking the church is not to atone for murdering a man or putting a man in a coma as he believes at that, at, at that time. It is because that's what he does. He goes and he preaches and he needs a flock to preach to. Yes. <laughs> and this place doesn't have a flock for him. So he's going to make a flock and he does. <laughs> and he does a great job. And all of those people love him. And, and they, they seem happier and it seems like they're leading more service filled lives. Like the, the community is being strengthened uh, by his presence. E- even though he's got this dark past and he's doesn't seem to care. <laughs> But like, like his conscience is not pricked at all. So is he a good guy or a bad guy? I... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the world, almost everybody's world is better because he's here, except that he's cheated on his wife. He's been unfaithful. I mean, we don't know how many times, but it seems like that whole issue of sexuality and stuff. He's a hypersexual character. Yeah. And he's super violent and he killed a guy. <laughs> right? So that guy's life is not better. His wife's life is not better. His children's life is certainly not better. Uh, but everybody else's is. And so I think this is, I think it's really, I think it's a really interesting question of how much, how much bad are we willing to take from somebody because they end up doing like the net good. If the net if the net is positive, then is everything okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bridge that's too far is the murder. Obviously, like that's the one where it's like no, <laughs> like yeah. you can't. This is not going to atone for that. When it's uh, you know in Les Mis, he stole a loaf of bread. Like we can we can like okay, you've atoned for that <laughs> many times over in your years of prison. And we don't and expect Valjean to be like oh. My conscience is so stricken because I stole that yeah. loaf of bread, and now I'm going to go do great penance. It's like, d- nobody cares that Jean Valjean stole a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> except for Javert, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the infidelity is already going to like be like high levels of discomfort with this man presenting himself as a holy man. Right. Which he does. And, you know, no one should accept that level of hypocrisy. But then the murder, it's just like, okay, this, this whole combination of a murderer and an adulterer who has now united a town and a church and is presenting himself as the head of this church. Like, what are we supposed to make of that? I know, but look at politics. <laughs> like, look at these people uh, on all sides of the aisle in every country. There are people that everybody know is corrupt. Everybody knows that they're, that they're not living moral lives. And yet we say they're great leaders. They're making the country a better place. And so it's fine. Or, you know, like, I wouldn't want this person to date my daughter, 
but I'm happy to have them in this position of responsibility because they are sowing sunshine, right? Like, they're making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And um, I think sometimes we're more comfortable with that in real life than we are in fiction. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I think this is such an interesting film with an interesting character. Producer Andrew. Andrew, are you okay? Yeah, I, I just I've had a thought that I've I've been wanting to to stick in here. Um, poison is all about the dose. So in one town, he's made a good church and improved the place, and he's done that in a short amount of time. But in the other town, he's killed a man, cheated on women, and got the cops after him. Yeah, do you think multiple like lives. like what do you think is going to happen in the church that he's created or or that town if he's there for a long time? Well, we already saw like he was on the brink of going too far with what's it Tuzi? Tuzi, yeah, yeah. He was he was on the cusp of uh, sexual assault, yeah, uh, with her. So if he was there for another six months, would things have gone sour? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. this is the football coach that has scandal follow him everywhere he goes and. And yet, big school after big school is going to offer him oh, a yeah. contract. There are multiple coaches' names who just went through my head as you described yes. this. Of like American coach, like states in America where the highest paid state employee is the football coach or the basketball coach, depending on if it's a football. And everybody coach. knows this guy's a scumbag, total scumbag. Yet his team wins, so we're going to have him be the highest paid employee in the entire state. Yeah, higher than the governor. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we know that it's only a matter of time before the, before the next scandal hits, and he'll have to be fired. But we hope it's we, we hope that we're going to get a national championship before then. <laughs> before then. <laughs> but, but does it seem? Does that make sense? So, what I'm saying right, that so, we're so more we, willing to accept it in real life than we are in fiction? Because this as a story, I'm like I don't even know what to make of it. And and as well, a like. I, I don't know that I can say, like, oh, this is one of my favorite movies of all time, or this is one of my favorite characters of all time. I still look at him, and I'm like, I don't even know what to do with you. Like, pick a lane, you know? <laughs> well, I, I wonder if one thing that we're supposed to see in this kind of fiction, when we look at this, like, we immediately see the hypocrisy of that that individual. And I'm wondering if, we, we, as we transpose it and look at, like, the figures that you're saying that we can see in public life, be it politics or sports or, you know, whatever it may be, movie stars, like celebrity, like all sorts of celebrity culture, you you can point at this. Are we supposed to see the hypocrisy in ourselves and not just the hypocrisy in the Robert Duvall character in this film, The Apostle? Are we supposed to maybe start questioning, you know, who is it that we're revering and putting up and what skeletons are in their closet? And, like, where does the focus need to be? And if you are saying... Like, like um, the mechanic. What's that, that character? Sammy. Sammy. Like, he is 100% seems to be a better person because Sonny came into his life. And he's going to be, like, he's found faith and religion, and that religion is going to make him make better choices in his life. But if his faith is in Sonny, that's going to be a problem. But if Sonny inspires him to have faith in, in God and in, in the teachings of, of the Bible uh, and in ethical and moral, moral choices then Sam's going to be fine. But if his faith was in Sonny and he just saw Sonny get put in handcuffs and driven away for murder, uh, you know, Sonny's going to be struggling, you know, mightily in the, in the coming days. So do you think that Sonny is converting people to him or converting people to, to Jesus, to God? I don't know. <laughs> this is one of the, one of the, so many questions that we're going to pose in this podcast can be answered, but I don't know. Cause this film is just about ambiguities. I, I, I think Sonny wants the audience, but Sonny also firmly in his mind is preaching about Jesus, not about himself, but he wants to have that audience hearing him preach about Jesus. 
Yeah, well, he certainly craves that. Yeah. He craves to have a flock. But but I think, I don't know, I... I if, to me, like, the conversion of the troublemaker... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so funny. That's just that's the name. That I goes. thought he was going to have such a such a more important role in this film than what he did. Billy Bob or just... Billy Bob Thornton. When you see Billy Bob on screen, you're like, oh, he's going to be a main character. Well, you look at the DVD case and it says, Robert Duvall, Farrah Fawcett, Billy Bob Thornton. And Billy Bob Thornton's in this film for like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. And he gets beat up and then he gets converted. But that conversion, that scene is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And... It doesn't seem to me that that troublemaker is converted to the preacher. It seems like he's converted to to the to, to, to Christ, the Bible, right? Yeah, to and Christ. and the whole congregation is surrounding him. It's a really powerful moment, and and the strongest moment I think in the film that says this guy is really changing people's lives I agree for that better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> I I just go back to this question of like how much bad. When you talk about redemption, is is it a balance? Is it a scale? Right? Is this when you're talking about justice, um, and you see the you know the the woman with the scales and the and she's got her her eyes covered, and it's just we just weigh this good and bad, and if if good outweighs bad, then you're a good person, and if bad outweighs good, then you're a bad person. Um, and I think that's how we often want to we want to see life like that, but <laughs> but then I think that the way that we actually deal with humankind is it's really way more messy than that. Yeah, um, this kind of makes us think of a, a talk we were having right before we recorded. We were talking about Star Wars because we it's always a good time to talk about Star Wars. And we were talking about um, Darth Vader, and this is also inspired by a conversation I had with Brandon from the Fandom Podcast. Um, but he said, like, do you, like, what about Darth Vader's redemption at the end of Return of the Jedi? Does that feel earned? When he throws the Emperor down, he says, you know, he recognizes Luke as his son, and, you know, he's he kind of saved the universe in a way. Right. Uh, you know, from the evil Empire, and then he dies. And I said, like, that choice doesn't feel out of character for Darth Vader, to, like, have that sure. moment of redemption. But what doesn't quite work for me on the story level is that he gets like the big happy ending of a smiling force ghost at the end with Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's like, (laughs) all is solved uh, because you made this one good choice. And especially after we get the prequels, it's like, no, no, (laughs) he did not earn a happy smiley force ghost by (laughs) throwing the emperor down a shaft of the incomplete second death star. I think it's funny (laughs) that you, that you feel like, or that we feel like, I don't know we can interpret Anakin Skywalker's entire post-mortal existence based on a three-second yeah. showing of a Force ghost. Like, maybe... Uh, <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as the camera cuts away, Obi-Wan just looks at him and is like, the younglings. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he's like, I know. I'll never, uh, you know. And then Yoda's like, Alderaan? An entire planet? <laughs> I know. Obi-Wan's like, I heard them scream in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, but I, uh, it's. But but like the the emotional impact of that film is supposed to feel like he's redeemed. Yeah, and that again, the choice feels fine. But then to say that that redeemed everything that we saw before from Darth Vader, and if you watch all the Star Wars saga now that we saw from Anakin Skywalker, it's like it doesn't feel like that is a balance. Sorry scale. that we're spoiling this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> twelve. 
<laughs> part of the 40-year-old saga. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a totally legitimate question and obviously doesn't have huge ramifications. But but uh, what's interesting for me, does. <laughs> for, for what's interesting to compare that with the apostle is that the apostle kind of does the opposite, where we see him get locked up at the end, and the end is him getting taken away to jail, and that feels fine. <laughs> he doesn't really care. <laughs> he doesn't care. He's doing the exact same thing in jail that he was doing out of jail. Right. He's finding a flock and he's preaching the word of God to him. Except, w- but I as mean, an maybe audience, he could kill somebody. But he's <laughs> probably. I mean, I don't know. But as an audience, I'm fine with him getting taken away to jail. Um, and you see the sadness, particularly from Sam, right? right. Um, and the rest of the flock, you know, is sure to be, you know, emotional uh, about this. But it, it doesn't feel like um, like a violation of the of the story arc that he's getting taken away to jail at the end. So, what do you think the Apostle Part Two looks like when uh, when we go back and look at this this flock that he's developed, this congregation? Do you think that those people just continue on their way? Is there going to be mass apostasy and all these people are going to leave the church because um, and, and they're going to find out what this guy did and who he was? It's going to go back to the other question. Like, were they putting their faith in the preacher or were they putting their faith in God? And, and so I would say some will probably... It's not going to be what it was. Because his force of personality, his energy, is what made this church happen. Yes. And that's going to be gone. Right. <laughs> uh, now, there is another preacher that... Uh, what was his name? Blackwell. Blackwell is still there. And so he even said, I can't do the preaching thing because my heart's bad and I'm going to stand up there and have a heart attack (laughs) if I try to do what I used to do. Because these preachers are going all in. (laughs) Physically and emotionally. (laughs) They're all in. It's so amazing. (laughs) Uh, It's so amazing. So I don't know. What do you think happens to the flock? I, I honestly don't know. There's a part of me that thinks if they're truly converted to God, then they're just going to go back to church the next week and, Mm -hmm. and move on. But man, that's got to have just a huge impact on you to see your, this, this, this preacher who, who led you on this path, who, who converted some is a murderer. Yes. And a philanderer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you understand anyone who falls away after the news breaks. Right. And you don't say, oh, well, that's a lack of faith. At least go and find a different church or (laughs) something, you know, like, Ah, it's just, it's so complicated. I think this idea of redemption is so central to who we are. I think it's buried deep, deep and down, down in our psyche to want to recognize that, that we make good choices and we make bad choices. And then to feel like we want to be redeemed for the bad choices. That that we after make. we make a bad choice, we can make good choices and, and progress and out that, of yeah. whatever... You know, and you can call it redemption or salvation or whatever you want to call it. But the, I think that that's really important to who we are as humans, and that's why it's so important to storytelling from time immemorial. <laughs> I mean, like it's just it's one of the themes that we keep going back yeah, to. The as fall humans, and the rise, to say character arc. right? How do you how do you bring yourself back up when you've fallen, and what what kind of acts on the on the backside can make up for the the bad acts on the front side and it's really it's really hard and it doesn't always follow logic right like you can look at you can look at it in terms of number right if you do a million good works but they're all tiny and you do one huge thing if you blow up a planet <laughs> 
<laughs> or if you're a Jean Grey and you eat a planet, right? This is an X-Men reference we're now throwing in for new right. listeners who didn't follow she that. She ate a solar system. Well, she <laughs> ate the sun that extinguished all life on one populated okay. planet. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so she eats a sun that extinguishes life on, uh, on uh, all life in a solar system. I yeah. don't know how many of those planets were inhabited. Just the one of the asparagus people. Okay. <laughs> heals all the asparagus people. <laughs> but Jane Grey's like. great! We love her. <laughs> but she did this horrible thing. And so does one bad act... Just erase a million good acts because of because of its weight, its scale. It's yeah, it's like mass, right? Like talking about celestial bodies, right? Like, um, is the gravity of one thing enough to counterbalance the gravity of some something else or some number of small other things? And those can be good things or bad things, right? Like you could you you can be Darth Vader, you can make a million bad choices as he did. But is there one good thing that you could do that could be big enough to tip the scales in the other in the other side? And I think what you're saying is throwing the emperor off the off the balcony is probably not doesn't feel like it covers up. Like it doesn't have enough weight, right? Like <laughs> even though like that's a really significant moment for the film, for the story, for the entire universe. It doesn't feel like it covers up again like the slaughter of children but he is saying he is i mean in that moment he's saying all of those things that i did i'm i feel bad for and i'm gonna try to make it right now and all he gets to do is throw the emperor off the thing and then die right Mm -hmm. so then do we look at like his heart where is his heart at that point? Which, in, in which case, for Robert Duvall's character, we say no. <laughs> like, yeah, no, absolutely not, because his heart's never in the right place. He's never doing good things to try and repent for the bad that he's done. He's, but, just, he's just going on being himself, basically. I think the only way that you can justify Anakin having his happy force ghost is to say it's not about, it's not about the number of good acts versus the number of bad acts. It's not even about the scale of good acts versus the scale of bad acts. The only thing that matters is where your heart is in any given moment. And if you have that change of heart and it's sincere, then that's what matters. And that's why why we're struggling. I think so much with the Robert Duvall character is there's absolutely no change of heart. Never. At all. No interest in it. It's like the definition of a static character. He is not introspective at all. But it's so interesting to see, like, the energy and the way that he carries himself be used positively and negatively. Right. In in the movie. And again, it's that passion. You know, this energy. If it's focused towards building, that's great. If it's focused towards tearing down, he's going to tear down. (laughs) So he's not Sith. He's not Jedi. He's like a... He's chaotic. Chaotic chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral. Yeah. I mean, I... Man, so interesting. I was going to say, though, this is a film about religion and about God, and we have moments of high emotion from the preaching and from the audience reception, like like his his flock reacting to that. But the only thing that feels like possibly supernatural, I would say, in the entire film is that radio tuning in to his wife. Uh, When when his wife is listening. And, like, this is the only thing that seems to defy what uh, the, the world... That's being built, uh-huh. um, where it feels like there's an outside force that's interacting. So the wife and her children, and this is after the boyfriend that she was sleeping with has died, are listening to music on the radio, and I think they're doing crafts or something in the kitchen. Like they're just making something in the kitchen, and it's a radio that is just sitting there, and the music is coming in crystal clear. And all of a sudden, you hear the warble and the static, 
and yeah. you hear Sunny's voice briefly, and then it goes back to the music, and then she goes and she tracks to a different station and finds Sunny's voice, which that can happen to radios, <laughs> but usually you get that kind of warble and static when you're like just scanning and you, you, you know, or when you're, you're, you're trying to listen to a DVD in your car and the FM transmitter is not working. Very well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like to me that that moment felt like the most miraculous moment of yeah. the entire film. Sure. Uh, and it was bringing Sunny to justice is, is the end result of that. So are you interpreting that as this is God saying we need, this needs to end? Yeah. The, like, like this man has committed murder and he's an adulterer and all these other negative things. And he's trying to carry on with his life. And it feels like this is him being brought to justice happens through what feels like kind of a supernatural, like an extra natural yeah. act in the film. So if that's the case, why doesn't God stop him sooner? Why does he let the good happen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why, why, why make that decision then? Why intervene then if you're God? Is it because you know that tomorrow he's going to go do something bad? bad. I mean, well, the mighty do it before <laughs> something bad happened, right? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the issue with the discussion, discussing the why, why God choice. Right. <laughs> you know, why, why does God choose this moment uh, to, to intervene in his children's lives? Right. Uh, in, you know, be that in, in, you know, our lives, if you're a faithful person, that's a question that's going to be raised. Like, you know, why do I feel like God has intervened at some points in my life and, and not in others? And in storytelling, that's something that you have to deal with if you're dealing with this kind of religious story where it's set in a Christian mm-hmm. church. But, I mean, you deal with it in in all Judeo-Christian storytelling right. tradition. But you also deal with that in, like, fantasy storytelling where there are gods and there are mortals. Um, and it's like, well, why are the gods doing this now? Sometimes it's because that's what the author wanted. <laughs> right. You know, in telling the story. I mean, deus ex machina, right? Yeah. It means a god in the machine. That, or god from the machine. That just does what it does when it does it. Right. <laughs> and it's going to alter the story because it's happening right now. Yeah. But I, but I do think it's interesting to think about a god. I mean, there's, there's obviously going to be no way to know this. Mm. A, it's fiction. <laughs> and B, we're not god. <laughs> But even if it wasn't fiction, but, but it is interesting to think about having the power to intervene. And as a storyteller, why do you choose this moment for the intervention? Like, so Robert Duvall's writing the script. It's like, I've got Sonny out here. <laughs> right. I've got him on the run and he's going to go, f- go build a flock. He's going to be he, he, like, he, 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 he's going to be okay. muttering to himself. He's going to be building a flock. Recognize that this is a bad guy and he's done some bad things, but he's going to do some good things. I'm going to let him do the good things. I'm going to let him Or I'm going to give him a chance. Maybe I'm going to give him a chance to see if he really will come to Jesus. Really come to Jesus. Like himself. Not bring <laughs> others to Jesus. Yeah, but he himself come to me and say, I recognize that I did a bad thing and I'm going to go turn myself in. And I'm going to make up for this. I don't know how you make up for murder, but I'm going to do everything I can to make up for it because so, I feel horrible. This kind of triggers something. Like, the baptism scene is the closest we get to him saying, I've done something wrong, I need to but change. But he doesn't. But he doesn't change who he is, really. And also, it doesn't feel like it's it's remorse where he's done and want to change who he is. It's, it's a wanting fake to, baptism. He's wanting to avoid consequences. It's totally fake baptism. Yeah, he, he's wanting to avoid the the fallout for it's having a just thought. It's just disguise. Yeah. It's a mockery of baptism mm-hmm. when he says, "Now nah, I'm going to be baptized and I'm going to 
keep doing exactly what I did before. I'm just going to change my name. That's not baptism. <laughs> baptism is where you change. You wash away the old man and you become something new. And Sonny doesn't do that. Mm. He's the exact same person when he comes out of the water as he is before, except he's changed his name to Apostle EF, which are the initials of his real name, right? Yes. Yeah, he goes by Sonny. His license plate is Sonny on the car that he, he drives into he drives a lake. lake. <laughs> when he jumps out, I love that. He baptizes his car. <laughs> <laughs> he is, but... Uh, I think that that's, again, like we've talked about baptism in so many cases in film. Baptism is the scene where, I mean, the, the driving the car into the lake could have been a perfect symbol for baptism. And uh, and baptizing himself in the river totally could have been a symbol for baptism, as we see in so many other stories. Where and it would it's fit. raining, and somebody changes. It would fit the moment of this story, too. Absolutely. But he doesn't change. No, <laughs> so there's not- no change. There's no change. You talk about static characters and dynamic characters. This is a completely static character. Which is what's what is so interesting about the writing and the filmmaking and the acting is I can't look away from this character even though he's static. <laughs> and so often we say static character negatively. And this is an example of a static character that makes the story more interesting. Yes. And makes the themes more, like, it's, it's hard to wrestle with the themes because he doesn't change. So good. <laughs> I didn't know um, what we were going to talk about with this film when we started recording. I literally I was sitting here like, I don't know that we're going to have an hour of discussion because I don't know what I want to say about this film. Oh, no, I knew we were because I knew we'd be talking about redemption. And <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to talk about. But um, <laughs> the more we're talking about it, the more I'm liking this film. Uh, and, yeah. and like my highest praise was obviously from the get-go going to be for Robert Duvall's performance. Because it is stunning to watch it. Oh, and man. it still is after this discussion. But it's like the, the choices that are made as a narrative storyteller are becoming more interesting to me and in, in how the story totally. is being formatted for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, listeners, I guess just a final thought for me would be that this is not going to be, like, the happiest, most heartwarming film you go watch. But if you're ever saying to yourself, I just want to see what a great acting looks like, go watch The Apostle. Yes. Please go watch The Apostle. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. This I can't say that this is my favorite movie. Like, oh, this is my new favorite movie. Um, if you want to see Robert Duvall in a story about real redemption... <laughs> Then go watch Tender Mercies, because it's beautiful, and it's also Robert Duvall doing amazing acting, for it's which he did win the Academy Award. More heartwarming than this oh, one? Oh, yeah. It's really good. It's really good. We should do it sometime. Um, but my goodness, uh, th- this movie leaves you with a lot of things to think about, and, uh, and it's great. So that's it. Thanks, Linnell, for suggesting it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And that wraps up this episode. So thanks for joining us, and please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a review there. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, just a note about our back catalog. We switched up our format a bit at episode 13, so our first dozen episodes are a bit meandering in terms of discussion and length. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode number 119 about To Kill a Mockingbird, or number 116 about Sinestro in Green Lantern. And if you think that that has nothing to do with this, then go listen to that episode, and you will see uh, it's about this uh links to things we talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com that's also where you can find a list of all of our shows you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com we are also on twitter at protagonistpod at todd k mac and at jay dorowski and our producer andrew is at andrew underscore dorowski and our facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast and we have great conversations there with our listeners, and we would love for you to say hello anytime. If you'd like to support the show financially, there are a few different ways you can do that. You can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by clicking on the support link on our homepage or by going to patreon.com protagonist. 
All supporters on Patreon receive access to our special quickcasts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers. You can also go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon to make all of your Amazon purchases. Just a reminder, it looks exactly like regular Amazon and costs you nothing more, but we get a small kickback from your purchase. And finally, don't forget to sign up for a 30-day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. Oh, all right, wait. Before like we start recording, are there any episodes that we should recommend at the end? Because I did not think of any. I took like 30 seconds. I was like, I can't think of anything. To kill a mockingbird. Um, do you want to go? Mine won't let me type. I can view Google Docs, but I can't type Google Docs. <laughs>